Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. And if you could welcome our lead pastor, Joe Source. Pastor Matt, we don't have room for a thousand chairs. Yet. Yet. So, I teach better when everybody is closer to the front. I don't like looking at scatter. Come on. Move up. Move up. Amen. We're talking about authority. I just exercised my authority as a pastor. That's great. Sure. All right. We're going to finish this series tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys, you guys with me? Yes. Are you in agreement with me? Yes. Good. All right, I'm going to jump right in. Um, if you listen fast, I'll be able to preach fast. Because there's a certain, I really do want to finish this tonight because there's a couple of, like, I believe, impactful things that uh, I want us to, uh, to leave with tonight as we wrap this up. Just to do a very, very, very quick review. We are authorized to live out who we are as a child of God, taking authority, listen now, taking authority over the power of the enemy, which Jesus promised us, while at the same time making God's power available to whoever, we need, whoever needs it. So we're authorized in kind of a twofold purpose. We are authorized by, by, by Jesus, by God, to take authority over the power of the enemy. How many of you know? I don't want to bring glory to the, to the devil, but how many of you know the enemy has some power? Just a couple of people. Uh, the enemy has some power, all right? But the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, has been given authority by Jesus himself, the head of the church, that we would represent him on the earth. In other words, we should see ourselves that when we come against something that's coming from the enemy, from the kingdom of darkness, that we should see ourselves thinking like, speaking like, conducting ourselves just like Jesus if he was here. Because guess what? He's here. His spirit lives inside of us. Amen? We talked about, actually two weeks ago, last week we kind of went on a different journey, that authority is recognizable. It's recognizable in, in every realm. It's recognizable here in the, in the natural realm. It's also recognizable in the spirit realm, okay? So, so picture this. We have been commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ to, to walk in this authority, to walk in this delegated authority, very much like if, if one, of, one of the best illustrations or best examples or best picture might, might be able to paint for you here is this. Have, have you ever had to give power of attorney to an individual, to another, to an attorney? 
Okay, so what is that, what is that authorizing that person to do? You are authorizing by your signature, by your agreement, you are authorizing that individual to act as if they were you on your behalf, okay, in specific areas. Now, the one thing you want to make sure you do is you don't give anybody general power of attorney, okay, because they'll take everything you have, okay? <laughs> so uh, you understand what that is then. That attorney then is seen by a court, by whatever legal representation, as if it's you. They're authorized to act on your behalf with all of your resources, all of your whatever ability um, to back that up. You got it? That's exactly what Jesus did. He gave us power of attorney to be able to operate on his behalf on the earth. And that's recognizable. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. Again, just very quickly, I want to review this. Then they went into Capernaum, talking about the disciples and Jesus. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. We'll talk about that in a minute. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Did you catch this? This spirit recognized who Jesus was, recognized the authority that he was speaking in, that he was teaching and that he was operating in. Verse 25, be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Okay? Now, anytime I cover anything like this, I always like to throw in this 10-second little side journey. You realize with two words, Jesus took care of this situation. And yet... You can go online tonight when you go home, and you're going to find deliverance seminars that take three days, charge you you $100 registration fee to teach you basically what Jesus did in two words. Because when you have, when you realize the authority that you have, all it takes is two words, backed up with the name of Jesus. Are you listening to me? Some people try to make everything so complicated, and it's not. So be quiet. Come out of him. Come out. And that was it. Verse 27, the people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. And news about him spread quickly over the entire region of Galilee. Okay? So what do we have here? The hearers recognized when Jesus was speaking, he was speaking from his own authority. Okay? And they're not used to that because the scribes were used to just repeating commentaries from other rabbis and other teachers from the past. And that goes on till today. Till today in Judaism, the form of Judaism that exists today, okay, is based on the commentaries of all these, what they call sages, these different mystics, different individuals uh, throughout their history, okay? But the authority comes from the word of God. When we speak the word, we're releasing authority. Okay, we'll get into that more. So we see that, that authority is recognizable. You know when somebody's walking in authority. Uh, the devil recognizes when someone's walking in authority. And so uh, we, need to, we need to see ourselves and conduct ourselves in such a way that, um, and I'm not talking about shouting. Authority is not exhibited in shouting. Authority is exhibited in the fact that you have confidence that you have the greater one on the inside of you. 
and that when you speak what God says, he's going to back it up. Amen? So let's talk about Luke chapter 7 now. Again, I, I believe I covered this a couple of weeks ago. Just want to review it very quickly. Luke chapter 7, verse 1. Now, when he concluded all his sayings and hearing the people, he entered Capernaum, and a, a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So we have this Roman centurion. He's got a servant. We don't know if that servant is, is Jewish or if, if he's a Roman that, that he brought with him. But in verse 3, he says, So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, to, to Jesus, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly. Now, now listen to this language. Saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. Basically, they came to Jesus and said, listen, you know, the centurion in our town here, you know, you really need to do this for him. Now watch what they end up saying here, okay? For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. You say, well, what's wrong with that? It's very much wrong. Because basically what they were trying to do was strong-arm Jesus and say to him, listen, you got to do this favor for this guy because he's a big shot. He's in control here. He's got money. He built us a synagogue. you got to make us look good. Now, thank God the Lord Jesus Christ is merciful. Okay? So, so he ignores all their begging and pleading, and he goes. And Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof, which makes me suspicious of the fact of I don't think the centurion sent the elders with the message that they brought. I think they did that because this man's attitude is completely different. You see in this? We don't see the same attitude. We don't see this strong arm. If anything, we say a very humble, uh, submitted individual here, and that's going to play out in this teaching. Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. Wow. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. Now look at this. And here's where I want to I I I really concentrate for a few minutes here. For I also, a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, And so my servant do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, what did he hear? He heard a man who recognized how authority operates. And and sadly, the majority of the church does not understand how authority operates. And that's why we see so many, so little results sometimes when people try to operate from a position of authority. This man recognized. He said, and the wording he used he said, for I also am a man placed under authority. He, did not, he was not saying that this authority came from him. He's saying that the authority came from those from that whatever, when he's talking about the Roman Empire, whatever organization chose him and put him here, that authority he's operating in is not his. It's coming from those above him. Well, that's basically where you and I, that's, that's our position. We don't have authority in us because of who we are. We have been, the church has been placed in authority. But you see, we as individuals, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we we are placed in a position of authority. But if we don't understand how authority works, we short-circuit it. I'll go into it a little bit more. 
When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returning to the house found a servant well who had been sick. So this man who understood how authority operated, watch this now, was able, was able to procure, he was able to attain, he was able to stand in the gap, to stand as a mediator, to receive healing for his servant because he understood how authority operates. Are you catching this? That is extremely important. Okay? Why? Because we are in a kingdom that has, for the lack of a better way to explain it, a a flow chart. Okay? We have, we are in a position of authority, but we can only operate in that authority to the extent that we acknowledge the authority that's over us. Are, Are you catching this? This man understood. He recognized if Jesus has the power to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to open up blind eyes, it is coming because he understood that Jesus understood how to operate in a position of authority. That's extremely important. And let me tell you something. It's a message that has been missing in the church for a long time. I remember years and years and years ago, back in the olden days, when this, when this sanctuary was only half the size, and really, it was the youth sanctuary. We were just using it for midweek service and on the weekend. And at that time, we wanted to paint the place and make it look more youthful. And so it was, you know, we allowed the young people to choose the color. And... Um, it was bright. <laughs> it, you walked in this room and it looked like an orange sherbet factory. <laughs> and so I had an elderly couple. You remember this? Had an elderly couple make an appointment to come and talk to me. Okay, come and talk to me. What's up? Well, we're kind of like put out that you went and painted the sanctuary without asking anybody. I said, excuse me? I thought it was a joke. I started to laugh. I said, what are you saying? Well, shouldn't there have been a meeting? And every, I said, oh, honey, you're in the wrong church. <laughs> I said, so, so you're serious? He said, yeah. I said, so you're telling me that the church that you came out of, they sat everybody down to decide what color the, room, the walls were going to get painted? How did you get anything else done in the church? I said, and I thought to myself, and even to this day, that's why I'm using this as an example. These, these are individuals. You see, man came and tried to complicate some things in church government and did not understand how authority operates. Now, we don't operate as dictators, but they're God. If I have to go take a survey, now you imagine this. Obviously, the church they came out of was only a few people. But could you imagine today, between both campuses and everybody that calls New Beginnings home, where am I going to find a place big enough for about 2,000 people to come so I can take a vote? What do you think? Is it white or off-white? Should we do a matte finish or should we do the high gloss? Did I make my point? Okay. So here's the life lesson that we, that we learned from this centurion. In order to operate in authority, listen, you must first be under authority. 
You must first be under authority. And can, can, I, can I meddle in, in some people's business tonight? Yeah. Parents, young parents, be careful how you're raising your kids. Because if you don't teach them how to be under authority, you're teaching them how to be rebels. If you're not teaching them to obey you, if you're not teaching them to, to be disciplined, if you're not teaching them, and if they're not receiving consequences for the actions that they take that are contrary to the rules of your house or the, or the word of God, you are teaching them. You are going to cause them to, 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 raise, to be raised as rebels. And it won't be their fault. Let me get back behind the pulpit again. <laughs> now, now, let me, let me, let me I, I can't be too emphatic about this. Now, Listen, because Satan is a rebel, he recognizes rebellion in mankind. And he knows that a person who's rebellious cannot operate in God's authority. It will not be backed up by heaven because the motives are wrong. Are you catching this? You see what I'm talking about? Okay, I'll give you an example right from the scriptures. Adam operated under God's delegated authority. When he did, everything was well. All was well in the garden when he operated under that authority. But when, when Adam stepped out of God's authority and came under Satan's authority, all hell broke loose on the earth. Sin came in. With sin came the curse. With curse came poverty, sickness, disease, death, physical death, spiritual death. A lot happened because of that one act of rebellion. And it was almost like Satan could sniff it out. Please raise your kids, right? Grandparents, pray for your grandkids. You can't do much about it. <laughs> but pray for them. All right, that went over a little big. All right. So let me ask you this question. Knowing this, knowing these principles... Who are you under? Because you can only function in the authority of whichever ruler you have submitted to. Are you truly submitted to God? Yes. It's going to be recognizable. If you if you if you fooling yourself and living life for yourself or living your living your life to build your kingdom, or or worse, trying to trying to manipulate and trying to position yourself to accomplish your own agenda. It's, it's recognizable. It's going to show up sooner or later. I, it, you don't have to say amen. amen. Now, when we operate in Jesus' authority, it gets results. And men, listen, and devils take notice. And devils and circumstances must obey the individual who from the pure heart and a clean heart and a submitted heart operates in, in the authority of the kingdom of God. Are you listening to me? These are, these are basic principles. This is right out of the garden, okay? The authority we've been delegated does not come from our own strength. It doesn't come from our own determination or sense of self-importance, but it is based on the plan of God for mankind from the very beginning because man's authority was given by God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I think we talked about this, but I'm going to repeat it just to kind of set the stage for where we're going next. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them, 
have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them, okay? Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, the word dominion come, is, 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 is derived from a Latin word, dominus. Does anybody know what, any ex-altar boys in here, does anybody know what the word dominus means? Lord. Lord. Dominion is lordship. Lordship with a little L. Not a big L. Big L's reserved for God. But we are, we are commissioned by God We are mandated by God. We have been placed in a position of authority by God in order for us to have lordship over the earth. Now, a lot of people don't like that. And that's because those people do not, of course, nobody in here, those people do not truly understand where mankind fits in God's plan. You and I have been designed by God. Adam was designed by God to operate in a position of lordship. Now, that does not mean dictator. It means a steward, a manager, an administrator, uh, one who distributes supply, one who is responsible and accountable to God for how we manage his resources. It's a position of responsibility, okay? So God honors stewardship. If you hang around here any given day, if you had the opportunity to hang around with us as we work throughout the week here, and you you were very free to to talk to any one of our full-time employees here, we are ridiculously um, emphatic about stewardship. I remember one time, uh, somebody here made a mistake of throwing away certain things. I don't want to go into too much detail. And uh, when I found out, I sat the person down and said, you did what? Well, we didn't have any more room. We don't really use them anymore. I threw them away. I said, now you're going to go get them out of the dumpster, and you're going to put them in a warehouse because we don't throw stuff away. We bless another ministry with it. You listening to me? Stewardship. Stewardship. Not cheap, but a good steward. God honors that. We try to repurpose things. We try to not, we, know we try to do the best we can. Okay? But we do not believe in being wasteful. What's the word? Now somebody said the word I was looking for in my head. Prudence is good. We, we try to be very prudent. Let's, let's put it this way. If I can make a dime out of every nickel, we do that. You know, so no, I don't, don't, don't clap. I'm just saying that God honors this stuff. Don't be wasteful with stuff. If you've got closets full of stuff that you don't use anymore, go find somebody that they could be a blessing to and sow it into their lives. Because you know what's going to happen? You're going to take your last breath one day and we're going to send a truck to your house. And you know what we're going to do? Load up all your stuff and bring it to the thrift store next door. We're going to sell it for 10 cents on a dollar. 
You hear what I'm saying? You've heard me say this before. I believe that God, we've seen it in our own lives, in our own ministry. God honors stewardship. Why? Because you are operating from a place of delegated authority. You recognize that you have the ability to take those resources and to repurpose them and bless somebody else's life that maybe is not at the position yet to go out and buy those things for themselves. Yes or no? Yes. You see how something so simple could position you in such, a, in such a way to reap blessing upon your life, and it's stuff that you would just, just it's laying in closets. Shoes, clothing, all, all kinds of stuff like that. It's, it's a shame to let that stuff just sit there. Well, you guys are really quiet tonight. <laughs> but I like my shoes. Okay. So he told them, he blessed them, he gave them dominion, he gave them lordship. He said, you're the boss here now. As long as you're submitted to me, God speaking to Adam, as long as you're submitted to me, I will back you up. But you are the person on the earth that's going to need to speak what I place in your heart. This is why prayer is so important. This is why making divinely inspired declarations is so important because God needs a voice on the earth. Are you listening to me? I don't know that you're getting this because authority is so widespread. It's not just uh, a devil come out of somebody or sickness leave a person. uh, Listen to me. Authority is a lifestyle. You You walk, you talk, you think like someone who is on assignment from a kingdom. You carry yourself different that way. Are you listening to me? Yes. You carry yourself different that way. Now, oh man, do I want to go there? Everything in our society is trying to extinguish and neutralize that mindset in, the, in an individual. Everything you're hearing, every TV show you watch has an agenda. Be, be, be wary of what you let come in your, your eye gate, your, your ear gate, because it's going to settle in your heart. It's all to destroy your individual liberty, your rights. Your, your, not, 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 not getting political here. This is spiritual. It has been the plot of the enemy from day one to neutralize your voice. What the first thing that Adam did when his sin was confronted What did he do? He hid himself. Now, he had a mouth to speak. He could have went to God and said, Father, I am so sorry. I realize what I've done, and I realize the magnitude of what I've done. But the enemy came in and suppressed that voice of freedom and replaced it with intimidation and fear. Are you listening? This is so much deeper than what you think it is. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but we're talking about rebellion. You cannot have authority and rebellion at the same time. And the enemy sniffs that out. The enemy knows when somebody's been displaying rebellious characteristics, personality traits. Okay? And so what he usually does with somebody like that is he increases their sense of self-worth. Well, isn't that good? No. Because Jesus told us to die to ourselves so that he could live. Are you catching this? 
Now, I'm not saying we're going to walk around like, you know, with our lips dragging to the ground and I'm no good and I'm no worth anything. No, I'm not talking about that. But there is a godly self-appreciation and there's an ungodly self-worth that promotes the person above God and all that he represents. Isn't that exactly what the enemy wanted to do? I will exalt myself. You listening to me? See, the authority that you and I operate in, I'm just going to throw it out there and I'll get back on my notes. The authority that you and I are supposed to operate in, having been placed in authority, in a position, never destroys your individualism. It never destroys your sense of dignity. You listening to me? It always promotes Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. You getting this? Yes. So it's dignity. It's dignity. It's dignity. So now our, our place, now it's God's place to exalt us. It's our place to humble ourselves. Jesus recognized the humility in this, servant, in this centurion. This centurion is a man of power. He said, I snap my fingers and people jump. You see what I'm saying? But when he recognized, listen, when he recognized one who operated in a greater authority than he did, what did he do? He humbled himself. Watch. He submitted himself. Now, we could, we could say it this way. Submission is to rank yourself under someone else's authority. You listening? You know, we could probably spend a couple of months on this because this concept has been so destroyed in this society that submission is seen as weakness. Submission is seen as imposed slavery upon somebody. And yet we're never freer than when we're submitted to our Father God in heaven. We are never freer than when we submit ourselves to the Word of God. You listening to me? Because the Word of God is freeing. It's the word of God that breaks chains in our lives. Are you catching this? Yes. So man, man's authority was lost at the fall. It was transferred to the devil by Adam, and Satan became the God, little g, of this world. That's why the enemy has the power he has in this natural realm. He became the God. It was like, it was like Adam... 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4 refers to Satan and the God of this world, the God of this age, God of this age, okay, age, a time period, okay? It's as if Adam took the lease that God gave him on the planet and turned around and signed off on it and gave it to Satan. So what Satan could not gain by his rebellion against God, Adam caused him to attain a part of it. And he's still not satisfied. Still not satisfied. So, now watch this now. Through the scriptures, do I want to go here? Yeah, let's do it. 2 Corinthians 4.4 refers to Satan as the God of this this age. Literally, Literally means it indicates a period of time. It has a definite beginning and a definite end. It is not eternal. Satan does not have eternal authority on the earth. Satan has authority on this earth that was transferred to him 
by Adam. But watch this now. Adam only had a specific time period. Peter gives us a hint in his letters. Listen to this. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Talking about Jesus' second coming. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has been from the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forgot that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed, talking about Noah's flood. By the same word for the present, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. He's talking about the end of the age. Watch this now. Verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. Say this with me, please. Ready? One, two, three. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. There's the time frame. There's been allotted to man six days. How long was creation? Creation was six days. He rested on the seventh day. Okay? A day with the Lord is like a... And a thousand years like a... It's 2,000 years from Adam to Abram, 2,000 years from Abram to Jesus, 2,000 years to... We're at the end of the last day, folks. Any time. Any time. The lease is running out. And Jesus is going to come like a good landlord and kick the devil out of this realm. Take back the deed. Go to Jerusalem, sit on his throne, and rule and reign for a thousand years. Okay? Who's going to rule and reign with him? Those of us that understand authority. But let me ask you this question. Do you think that if God did not tolerate Lucifer's rebellion, do you think that Jesus is going to tolerate rebellion in his kingdom? Absolutely not. That got quiet. So as we proceed towards the second coming, now more than ever, it's the greatest importance that the church walks in. It's God-given authority. Because the enemy is ferocious in these last days. Ferocious, like a caged animal. Try to take down as many as he possibly can. Try to frustrate the plan of God. You know, I can only imagine what happened in the realm of the spirit when the Holocaust took place. The devil must have thought, we're going to kill them all off so that he's got nobody to go back to. Be, there will be no Jerusalem. There will be no Israel. There will be no, 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 no descendants of Abraham to go back to. Why do, you think, why do you think Israel is constantly under attack? Because they don't like the Jews? It has nothing to do with the Jews. It has to do with the Messiah. If, he can, if the enemy could wipe them out, if the enemy can take them out of their land, then he won't have to deal 
That's how crazy. You know, when you get that much power, you get crazy. You think the devil would realize he was defeated already. Give up, but he doesn't give up. We know that. So, our authority is restored in Jesus. In Romans chapter 5, verse 18, consequently, just as one trespass results in a condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act will result in justification and life for all people. Just as through the disobedience of one, many, one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Amen? Now, the authority that we're walking in is very different from the authority that the world has. Jesus' Jesus authority empowers people. Worldly authority seeks to manipulate and enslave people. Carnal, ungodly authority seeks to control and to manipulate people. That is why it it is so very blasphemous, it is so very serious that when a child of God tries to operate in control and witchcraft and manipulation. It is so ungodly. It is so dangerous. It it will, honestly, it will invite the enemy to come in to that person's life to just wreak havoc and destruction. Because this is the thing that brought sin into this world. The enemy's attempt to manipulate, to control to seduce Eve through thoughts and suggestions. The nature of the authority of Jesus can be seen in the authority that he used, which he gave to the disciples when he sent them out to be apostles. He sent them to go proclaim the kingdom of God, to heal the sick and cast out demons. When he met them on the mountain after the resurrection, he cited his authority. He said, all authority has been given unto me. And then he sent them out. He, what did he do? He placed them in a position of what? Authority. Why, why do we treat it so lightly? That, that same delegated authority is what's been given unto us. Now, now, now we, want to, we want to use that authority to speak over our finances. We want to use that authority to, to command sickness to go. But the initial purpose for that authority given to the church was to go and make disciples, not to use the authority for our own benefit. Are you listening? Yes. Now, now, even as when he sent the disciples, he said to them, when you go in the house, don't worry about this, don't worry, they eat whatever they put in front of you. In other words, as you're going to do what I placed you in authority to do, you're going to have provision. Yes or no? Yes. You're, you're going to get protected. He said, if you drink any deadly thing, nothing's going to harm you. Paul gets out of a shipwreck, crawls on the beach in Malta. It's cold, it's raining, it's, it's, it's raw. He starts to build a fire, and a snake comes out of the, probably this bundle of wood that he had because of the flames, attaches itself to his arm, and he's like, throws it off and keeps going. And the testimony ended up, the whole island got born again. Because they're all standing around waiting for him to blow up and die, and he doesn't die. He doesn't get swollen. Nothing happens to him. Why? Because he's a man placed in authority. And while he was walking in that authority, the authority is what? He said, I've got to get to Rome. I've got to go preach at Rome. 
You listening? Yes. Make it your business to walk in that, to live like a lifestyle of that. Now, now I want to get someplace. The time is running out here. Okay, good. This is good. When we, are authorized to, when, when we were authorized by Jesus to proclaim the kingdom, it is, is it, about, it is about letting people know that they too could be set free, not live subjugated, not live in bondage. When he cast out demons, he exercised authority over demons, but the person got set free. Okay, you, you see what I'm saying? He did not, listen, listen, listen. He did not give us authority over people. He gave us authority over the spirits that control people, that afflict people. You don't, listen to me, if you've got a problem with control, you better go repent and go ask God to set you free from this thing. If you have a if you recognize within yourself that you can be manipulative, that you can be uh, controlling, you're operating in witchcraft. Oh, pastor, I don't wear a witch's hat. I don't stand in front of a cauldron. That's nothing to do with it. Witchcraft is when, the the pure definition of witchcraft is this. Me trying to impose my will upon your life. That's witchcraft. And to be honest with you, I've seen more witchcraft in the church. I'm not talking about just here. I'm talking about in general, in 35 years. I have seen more witchcraft in the church than I ever saw, even when I was dabbling in the occult. People trying to exert their will over somebody else or try to recruit me to exert their will over somebody else. You listening? Yes. Are you getting this? Yes. All right. I, I know some people are like, no, oh, this doesn't have nothing to do with me. <laughs> when he healed, he exercised authority, set people free from bondage to disease. When he sent the disciples out, he gave them authority to do the same. He authorized his fault. Listen, listen, listen. He authorized his followers to set people free and never to bind them or to force them into conformity. We are living stones. Do you recognize that from one of Peter's letters? We are living stones, stones, all different shapes. We are not bricks. You catching this? We are never referred to as bricks. In fact, the Tower of Babel was built with bricks. And it represented man's rebellion against God again. God commanded his servants to build his altars at a rough stone, all different sizes all different shapes. Catching this? Yes. Christianity, in its purest form, never robs a person of their individualism. It takes that lively stone and fits it with other lively stones. This is why socialism will never work. This is why communism will never, it's always doomed to failure. Because you and I were never created to be bricks. We are created to be stones. We all have different shapes, different sides to us. But we all fit together. When we fit together, we don't lose 
our individual personalities. Now, we learn to submit ourselves to Christ and so that he puts his, his face on it. You know, I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in a family of masons, bricklayers. I had a, we had a cousin who was an expert stonemason, very highly sought after. And I would watch him sometimes. And we'd get these stones. In fact, in my father's house, I'm not talking about spiritually, I'm talking about my father's house. <laughs> the house that I grew up in as a teenager. My dad had built one entire wall, probably the size of this platform. In the middle was a big fireplace, all out of stone that we went and took from mountains up in North Jersey, some down the shore. Some, there were all different ones, all joined together, all put together, all these different stones. And I would watch my cousin, much older than me, he was my father's cousin, and before he would set a stone, he would say, no, 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 it's not ready to go in the wall yet. And he would get his chisel, and he would chip off the front to reveal what was underneath that first layer. You catching this? When you and I submit ourselves, we don't lose our individuality. We don't lose our personalities. In fact, God wants that because there are certain personalities he knows that you'll be able to relate to with your personality. You listen that they wouldn't listen to anybody else. You you hearing me? Okay. So so what happens when we submit ourselves to our Father in heaven? Then the Holy Ghost comes and starts chipping off that junk that we picked up in the world. The images, the masks. You catching this? To do what? To reveal the true nature of that beautiful stone. I remember there were some of the stones in that house. You remember that had little glitter in it. I guess it was some type of field stone or something. I don't remember. But it was beautiful. And the more you chipped away from that, that outside that had been exposed to the elements, the more beautiful you saw these crystals sparkling in that stone. If we will place ourselves under his authority, if we will rank ourselves under him, then he will prepare us we're, we're living stones, but he'll dress us first so that when we go out into this world, they don't see us, they see Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming out all these weeks. I hope you've gotten something out of this, this message of authority. I pray that you, you, you adopt it as a lifestyle. Not, not, listen, not walking around cocky, not walking around arrogant. There's enough arrogant Christians around already. Okay, but listen to me. Walking humbly with your God. Walking humbly, allowing the Holy Spirit to live through you, to speak through you. Allowing him to chip away the junk. Allowing, you, allowing him, even sometimes we used to have to get a, a, a steel brush and clean the stone. Allowing him to do that. Why? He's dressing you because he needs you to speak his will into this earth. Amen? Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.